Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. Today, my guest is Richard Webb, Director of Mill Architects, and he's here to advise on maximising yields and property values through building conversions. Morning, Richard. Morning, Gillian. Let's start with attic conversions, which you've seen much of in recent times. They're an effective way of doubling space, but there are many factors to consider, one of which is obviously ownership itself. So how can a property owner determine whether they have the rights to the attic space? The, the best thing to do initially is to check your title deeds for the property and you're best doing that obviously through your solicitor. Um, ge- generally speaking, your title deeds will hopefully state whether you can gain ownership over the, the roof space or not. Um, however, I've seen many instances where the title deeds aren't particularly clear. Obviously, we're dealing with potentially older buildings here and it might be slightly confused title deeds. Um, but there is generally an assumption that um, if you own a top floor flat, then you can assume ownership of the attic space above that. Um, but I, I would just recommend that you check everything uh, with your title deeds and with your solicitor before you progress to, to move forward with anything. Well, in certain scenarios, there might be additional regulations applicable to attic conversions. Can you explain what they are and when they would apply? Mm -hmm. So generally, the the biggest um, additional regulations that will apply will be in relation to fire and life safety. Um, Additional fire regulations will kick in with a residential building uh, when the floor of the property is above a certain height. And that generally tends to be around about seven and a half metres or 18 metres. Now, we're probably generally talking about the seven and a half metre range here. Um, And and the additional regulations that will kick in will um, essentially relate to the escape from the property, in particular, escape from the new upper floor that you're creating. Um, what what you'll be required to then do will be to um, install additional fire doors to make sure that you've got a safe route out, um, additional fire um, and smoke detection, uh, and also in some cases uh, sprinkler systems as well. Now that sounds slightly scary, but the, the, there's quite a lot of movement within the domestic sprinkler market at the moment. Okay. So actually it's quite um, feasible now to achieve a kind of residential scale sprinkler system for an upper floor flat. Right. Well, I mean, this type of conversion will significantly increase property value. However, who's then responsible for a future roof repair? So if you assume uh, the ownership of the attic space directly above your flat, then uh, again, under law, it would be the assumption that you will then assume any future maintenance costs for that section of the roof. Um, I mean, generally speaking, if you take a tenement, for example, there will still be common areas directly above the stair, for example, um, that you may still need to maintain access to. So in other words, that would be shared. Um, So you, you would only pay the maintenance costs for the area of roof under which you're converting the space. Right. Well, let's not talk about creating an extra an extra bedroom with existing floor space. Can you tell us the most common ways to do this? Uh, I, I think generally the, mo- the, the most common way um, to create additional be- bedroom space effectively within, within mm-hmm. tenement flats um, is to internalise some of the other rooms. So um, we, we see quite frequently, for example, uh, flats that are maybe one bedroom flats. They may have a, an attractive living room. 
um, with a, a single bedroom and then maybe a separate kitchen to the rear of the property. But generally what you tend to find with a lot of tenement flats is that between, say, the kitchen and the living room, there's a lot of internalised box room or cupboard accommodation, um, which could potentially be converted um, to provide you know the the replacement kitchen room mm -hmm. which essentially then frees up another room which has external wall and windows um for additional bedroom space and what on average say it's a typical tenement flat in edinburgh what on average would that increase the property value by oh that's a that's a tricky question yeah. and obviously it depends on mm -hmm. on location but i mean you you could be looking at an uplift of i i don't know 50 to 70000 mm -hmm. pounds in terms of your property i would have thought mm -hmm. okay well, do most flats lend themselves well to this type of conversion? Say, like, you talk about maybe Edinburgh tenements, um, or are there aspects to look out for that determine whether this is possible? I think, uh, generally speaking, most tenements do lend themselves well to this type of conversion. Um, th there's a couple of things that you should keep an eye out, particularly off if you're moving, say, kitchens and bathrooms. Um, if you're moving a kitchen or a bathroom to an internalised space within the heart of the flat, you need to make sure that you can still get access to drainage requirements. Mm -hmm. uh, and generally speaking with traditional buildings, the drainage stacks will be on the outside walls. So you just need to make sure that we, you can achieve a good drainage run um, from, from the centralised space in the middle of the flat out to drainage um, areas on, on the external walls. Um, I think the other thing to just be aware of as well is that often some of the walls within these central blocks of the flat may well be doing a structural job. So you would always need to get uh, advice from a structural engineer before you kind of proceeded with any works. Um, and they, they could then advise um, as to any alterations that you'd like to take out. So for anybody um, considering investing, uh, you know, in a buy-to-let flat and they have, they're thinking of converting, say if they're initially just looking at flats, so mm -hmm. the, the initial just um, viewing, is there certain ways, is there certain aspects to look out for that are obvious that it won't work drainage-wise that you can see? Mm -hmm. is, is there kind of ways you can advise on that from, from well, that initial viewing? Of... Certainly from a drainage perspective, mm -hmm. take a good look outside your property, both the front and the rear. Mm -hmm. um, you should be able to identify the drainage stacks. Mm -hmm. um, a, a good way of identifying those is because they're often combined with rainwater downpipes as well. But a drainage stack will actually project beyond the line of the top gutter because it's vented so it's a good way of identifying those um, so see where your drainage stacks are uh, and then also if it's possible to see direction of floor joists and things mm -hmm. like that it's not often possible obviously when you're looking at um, a, a flat that's on the market um, another good thing and a quick way to establish it is to just have a look at flats on the same street mm -hmm. because it's more than likely that actually this conversion has been carried out on a flat that's very similar to that already right. um, so that's that's a good thing do a bit of research on it well what about permissions such as building warrants and when they're required um you know to ensure that that the work complies with regulations uh, well ge generally speaking um if you're altering drainage if you're altering electrics if you're moving the boiler, for example, which may well kick in if you're, if you're um, changing your kitchen and things like that, you will need to get a building warrant from the local authority to, to carry out that work. And that ensures then that all the work is being done in full compliance with the building regulations. We should, we should probably also mention at that point as well that they would pick up any, on any structural work then. Um, and a structural engineer can advise you then as well. Um, and the other thing to mention in terms of um, applications and statutory requirements is particularly if it's a listed building, 
Um, the listing co uh, covers both the uh, external fabric of the building, but also the internal fabric. Uh, okay. So if you were making internal alterations, um, you should always check with the listed buildings officers. It may be that the internal alterations that you're looking at are fairly minimal and you might not actually need to do a listed building application, but it, you should always check that. Absolutely. Well, what about basement conversions? What, what's the situation with title deeds compared to attic conversions? Um, again, I, c I can only speak in my experience here, Gillian, and I, I'm, I'm no lawyer, but um, generally speaking, basements are slightly easier, I would say, than, than the roof space, because your basements tend to be directly accessed on, on, from, yeah. from, from within the flat. Um, having said that, again, check with your solicitor, check your title deeds, just to make sure that there's no common access requirements required to the basement. Okay, well, it's vital to have investigation works carried out early on, as we know. So can you explain what people need to look out for and the complications to expect in this type of project? Okay, so basements uh, are generally damp, kind of cold places. Um, so one of the first things you probably want to get done is a damp or a rot survey. So go to a specialist for that. They can then take a look at the timber floor joists that will be supporting your ground floor, but they can also look at any of the external walls of the basement as well. Because uh, it's more than likely if the basement hasn't been converted already, that you may need to look at putting a thing called tanking in, which uh, prevents any damp coming through, obviously, from the ground. Um, through into your new uh, internal linings within the basement space. Is that an expensive procedure? It can be, yes. So again, it's worth just having your eyes open uh, about mm. the likely costs of that. You may well find that uh, a certain property has maybe had the tanking done already. Um, generally speaking, if it's a reputable installer who's done it, that tanking should come with a guarantee. So again, prior to purchasing the property, you should get all these guarantees checked out. Uh, and Is if that like possible, a 10-year guarantee or something? Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, um, and, and generally just make sure that the tanking is in, in good condition before you look at converting that space further. Um, I think the other things to, to bear in mind with uh, basements, um, you may kind of stick your head down a, a trap door and think, oh, that's a great space, we can convert it. But you need to make sure that you've got decent head height down there. There are regulations that... Um, state what, what head height you require within certain accommodations. What's what um, that tend to so be? So generally for? it's about mm -hmm. two metres, um, but yeah, that that's still quite a tight head yeah. height. You want to be a bit more generous than that, I would suggest, particularly if it's kind of living space or kitchen. Yeah. Um, and again, in terms of head height, you need to think about making sure that you've got decent head height for getting stairs down into mm. the basement as well for access. Uh, and then the final point I would pick out on, on basements um, is drainage again, uh, because clearly if you're putting a kitchen space or a bathroom space down into a basement, which is probably likely, um, then you want to make sure that you can make a decent connection into drainage. And obviously because you're below the ground, you need to make sure that your uh, drainage levels are going to work with that. Of course. Well, another type of conversion would be developing out into the garden space yep. if, you, if you have a ground floor property. Would this be would this still be possible if it's a communal garden? Less likely mm -hmm. if it's communal garden space. If it's communal garden space, you may well get away with you know uh, creating French doors in a window set or something like that. But generally speaking, uh, extending out into the communal space, is, yeah, you couldn't do that. Okay. Well, you've been involved with change of use conversions for warehouses at the back of Ferry Road. Mm -hmm. So if someone was considering this type of conversion, what initial steps should they undertake? Um, again, 
get a full investigation of the building carried out um, if you possibly can do get a structural survey undertaken these you know may well be industrial buildings for example so um you know they may well have been a bit beaten and battered over the years but get a full structural survey carried out um it'll be perfectly evident if there are big structural movements happening you'll see cracking and things mm -hmm. like that happening um uh, there's the dreaded a asbestos words yeah. um particularly you know with former commercial buildings asbestos was widely used and in, in years gone by actually right up until the 80s and 90s so mm -hmm. um again get a full asbestos survey carried out there, there's ways of dealing with asbestos um but you just need to deal with it in the right way Mm -hmm. um, and again, the costs involved. Again, the, the, the significant, potentially significant mm -hmm. costs involved, depending on what the, the kind of asbestos is. A lot of the asbestos that will be picked up in a survey is, is generally uh, not particularly harmful if it's removed in the correct manner. So there's just a, a process that you need to go through with that and, and get all the right paperwork and get the right people in to, to remove it. Right. Um, another thing to consider is your utility service provision to the building. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, if it was a bigger building, there's probably one single incoming mains, um, whether that be gas, electricity, water or whatever. So it'd be worth speaking to utility companies and, and see what the process would be for um, easing that and, and getting submetering in place or actually introducing new supplies. Right. So again, it could be a potentially costly exercise. Um, but the, the most important thing is, I think, is to get a, a, a full survey of the building um, carried out. It, I think it, what, what's interesting about industrial buildings is that from a structural perspective, they tend to be quite different to our kind of more traditional residential buildings. Um, so the structural system that may have been used originally to build it may well allow for greater structural spans, for example. So it gives more flexibility in, in how that space could potentially be subdivided. Okay. So are there any other advantages then of commercial to residential conversions compared to the, pre the previous conversion types we mentioned? I, I suppose, speaking from a, a, a more of an architectural perspective, mm -hmm. um, I think you can create you know, potentially more interesting and dynamic spaces. Um, a lot of these warehouse spaces may actually be quite voluminous, so they've got quite a lot of height with them. So you can create interesting kind of sections through the building, create double height spaces, uh, potentially look at getting a lot of top lights or roof lights into the space as nice. well, which can create really attractive dynamic buildings. Yeah, I was just actually about to ask if you've got kind of any particular projects you might want to talk about, because I know on the phone earlier we had talked about your Brunswick Street yep. um, conversions and obviously these ones behind Ferry Road. Yep. So. Well, I, I think um, as, as a practice, we've done um, quite a lot of conversion mm -hmm. of um, historical and, um, you know, former industrial buildings as well. Um, We've, we've done a number of attic conversions in the past also. So th there was a really interesting attic conversion that we did on the south side of Edinburgh. And we just effectively colonised the whole of the attic space and created a bank of roof lights, uh, which was south facing towards the Braid Hills. Lovely. So it's created a really kind of dynamic second living space for, for the family that, that live there. Um, in terms of uh, converted buildings, I, I suppose um, one of the more interesting ones that uh, I've worked on is was actually a farmsteading. So um, out in, uh, in in Perthshire, we created an old, uh, we sorry, we converted a, an old farmsteading to form um, a collection of holiday lets. Mm. Um, so again, if you have redundant buildings, it's worth always mm -hmm. thinking about how you can can convert uh, and use those spaces to generate more income through whether that be short-term lets or long-term lets. 
Great. So is it true that there's a considerable amount of empty office space in the city since the pandemic? And if so, have you experienced clients planning to convert these spaces into residential homes? Uh, I think that's absolutely the case, Gillian. And uh, you just need to drive around the new town to see the number of uh, boards that are up on a lot of these old uh, stone townhouse buildings. Uh, we've, we've had a number of inquiries coming through in recent years uh, where these office buildings are now looking to you know, have a new lease of life with them. Um, and they, they, you know, they can take many forms. So, for example, there's a project that we're looking at at the moment um, where it's actually bringing two parts of a townhouse uh, together into, to, to form a single townhouse. Wow. Um, and similarly, we've had inquiries coming through for multi-floor former office buildings mm -hmm. and looking to convert them into residential use. Um, generally speaking, it, it's looked on relatively favourably by the local authority uh, from a planning perspective because um, they're often keen to see former residential buildings coming back into residential use. Of course, absolutely. So tell me, just to end on, what's the most captivating conversion you've ever worked on? Um, I'm going to come back to a, a farmsteading again, Gillian, and this time it was out in East Lothian. Um, and it was a stunning listed uh, farmsteading. Uh, and we arrived on site and the roof was all collapsed oh, in. God. Uh, and it was in a very, very sorry state. But we converted that. Um, and in total, it was 18 residential units that were formed out of the steading. But also, we, we, it was great. We were uh, working with East Lothian Council. They were very receptive to developing the whole site because they wanted to save the listed building. So we were actually able to de develop a number of new units there as well as part of it. So that was a great project. Excellent. We'll maybe get some photos up because we'll, we'll do a blog um, for the podcast okay. and we'll maybe get some of the photos of the projects that you've been discussing. Great. But thank you very much. That's been really helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Gillian. I'm Gillian Semler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms, including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citylets.co.uk.